Rising, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to G-L-C. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're just feeling the holiday spirit. Maybe you're just hopping along down the lane, looking at the lights, living it up, whatever it is. We hope that you are enjoying us in your ear holes. We are delighted you've brought us with you. As DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace is bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's in his kerchief while I am in my cap, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. I am in a kerchief. Um, You're also not wearing a cap. Like, this is one where, like, people can actually... See, no, 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 audio listeners don't know. Thanks for breaking kayfabe, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And I am wearing a tuxedo, and no one will ever know otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for the holiday season? It's it's, it's upon us. We got as of this recording, we are recording a little late, so apologies for getting this into your RSS feeds uh, a few hours late. But uh, we got what five days, five. Five days left until uh, Christmas, if that's the holiday. Seven you, months until Fourth of July. I know. I'm very I am, excited about Fourth of July. We've got the the. the I ordered new flags. We've got uh, fireworks. Oh man, fireworks! LA hasn't seen fireworks like what we're going to set it <laughs> off. <laughs> it's never too early to order your flags, I guess. All right, we got a lot of video game talk to get through, but we could not end the year. I, I would not allow it. For us to end the year without having back one of our favorite guests, nay, a member of the family. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But once again, I'm happy to say DLC stands for drawing life into characters because we have senior animator at Riot Games, one of our family here at DLC. Lana Bashinsky is back with us. Hey, Lana. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good Thanks morning. for uh, hanging out with me. This is like the perfect way to both end the year, but start the holidays. Love the energy. It's giving me life right now after a very, very delayed flight. So, I, I mean, you are giving me life. You got right, <laughs> right. You know, audio listeners can't see it, but you're the window right behind you uh, on our live stream. Oh, is, they can't uh, see that either. Sorry. Well, it's blown up, but we got to see it. It's, 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 I know I have the information in my mind that it is, there is a delightful winter wonderland just outside your window, uh, which yes. is, uh, it's making me very happy. Yeah. Back up in, uh, the, uh, certainly the great white North, it's supposed to be negative 33 for Oof. the week I'm here. So a little chilly, but you know what? The, the energy, the game, stay inside, perfect, stay inside. I don't know what negative 33. Uh, I don't know the translation rate for Canada. Negative 27. Like it still seems like not enough uh, temperature for me. Oh. Well, I am drinking <laughs> polar brand sparkling water. So I too, in LA, you know, like this is how we do it. In LA, <laughs> it's like really windy though. 
It's like, yeah. quote a friend. It was 19 this morning. This is 19 this morning when I took my garbage out. No snow for us, but we it was chilly, chilly. Mm-hmm. 47 in LA is like zero anywhere else. It's mm-hmm. hard. So, um, yeah. I was in Culver City two days ago and it was it was like 78 as I was standing outside and I was like, you know what? I, I left this and this does not suck. Because <laughs> I wasn't standing where I used to live, which would have been 115, right. you know, so. Uh, yeah, it's a All right. We're, uh, this is not a weather channel show. No, no. It Aww. could be. Yeah. At this point, it may very well be. But we're going to here to talk about Vigi games, and we got lots of Vigi games to talk about. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about the Halos. We got we got some cool news. So let's jump right into it. Start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you can also send comments, questions, even reviews of games. Uh, If you'd like to have your review on our show, we love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have communities on the Discord at 5x5dlc.com. uh, Nope, nope, that's not right. (laughs) 5x5DLC on Discord. But we also have the subreddit. I was doing the subreddit location. 5x5DLC.reddit.com. We also Uh, have a nor'easter blowing in this weekend. It's going to be a chilly one. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Let's, uh, Atlanta, you are a guest. So you get first pick of stories. What do you consider to be your story of the week? Um... There are a couple of really good ones here, but I feel like I have to go with the headline, Final Fantasy XIV is too popular to buy. <laughs> can't buy it. Can't buy it. It's been ripped off the shelves. You can't, you can't, the uh, official blog uh, has has been updated. Sorry. No, uh, no more way to buy the game right now. Too popular. Uh, ever since the launch of the newest expansion to Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker. Mm. Uh, there's been incredible queues to get into the game's servers, uh, and so they're um, they're not allowing. They've suspended sales and delivery of Final Fantasy XIV Starter Edition and Complete Edition, and even uh, those with active subscriptions, uh, free trial pl- players. Uh, that, you know, you, if you have an active subscription, you can get in. You got to get those queues. Free trial players, eh, no, no, no game for you. Um, well, easy to understand, Lana, because uh, Final Fantasy XIV, of course, the newest game to hit, the, the biggest, the new hotness. Mm-hmm. No, Do it's I- it's been out for what ten years? It's crazy. Final Fantasy XIV hitting a stride so late in its development. I think this is amazing. I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible for a couple of reasons. It's like a hilarious title. I feel like other game developers are just like. That's that's the t- that's the headline every developer wants. It's not, they don't because they want you know to be able to have their infrastructure built in such a way that this is not a problem. Right. But too popular to buy is like pretty 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 good problem to have, uh, and definitely a problem. I have a pal I play D anD D with who at the beginning of our four to five hour D anD D session is like one second I'm, I'm queuing up for Final Fantasy so that when we're <laughs> done I can play, which oh, is that's amazing. Too long of a wait. And I know there's tons of people who read this and are probably super disappointed, 
But from my perspective, I think that it's like amazing integrity for them to be like, we're going to take this away from you. You can't yeah. buy because we don't want you to have a crappy experience. We want you to have the great experience to want to stick around. Um, and hopefully they, they get this built up in the back end and everybody's able to get in soon. But what a remarkable, remarkable moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, you're somebody that has worked on live service games a lot mm-hmm. in your career. Uh, I can't think of another game that has been around this long that has reached a, a new peak this late in its life. I mean, I guess there's been wow expansions that have, you know, exploded and done really well. It, it just it just feels like Final Fantasy 14, I mean, partly because of the problems with Blizzard and wow and and people mm-hmm. kind of leaving that game and looking for something new. And partly because this game has just gotten such great word of mouth and and has been this locomotive of, you know, positive sentiment in the last two or three years. I just don't know of another game that that feels like it's peaking so late after its initial launch. They are so, I would love to sit down and, and talk with these developers. They are, it seems to me that they are so thoughtful and so outward looking, but I know they were not always that way. There's, I think it's a no clip documentary. I actually don't remember who made it. That's about Final Fantasy 14. And they, they had like that big reboot where they, I guess they had it. It was doing okay. They had processes that, weren't so smooth. They were making things really slowly. And I uh, I think it might be Naoki Yoshida who was talking about it because um, he's the game director, but I don't know if they swapped. So apologies to anybody who knows better than I do. Talking about like the moment that they had where they had these egos about the way that they're building things and everything was handcrafted. And then the whole industry sort of surpassed them. And so when they shipped, they were like, what? I guess we have some work to do. And they put in the work. Yeah. And so, you know, Sorry to everybody who's having a bad time in queues who doesn't get to play, but so awesome. I'm like, my heart is so full for those developers doing the great work that they're doing. Christian, what does it say about me that we've had guest after guest after guest on the show saying Final Fantasy 14 is great. You guys should play it. And now only after I'm told I can't play it is when I want to play it. What does that say about me? <laughs> can't, can't log in? Well, now's the time, baby. <laughs> See, I would have framed it differently. I would have been like, uh, yeah, you know, I guess I've been saying how great this game is, and I I was going to play it. Like, this was the, I've had it on my, look, I mean, I've had it on my calendar all year that this was going to be the, and I can't, so I guess, you know, it's like the world had, so now I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> it's like when you're in high school and you finally start dating somebody, and then other people are like, hey, they're dating somebody. I want to date them now. You know, it's, 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 you want what you can't have, Jeff. You want what you can't That's have. That's right. Yes. Wait, you dated thing. people in high school? And I married her. I dated one person and stayed with her forever. So, yes. Okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, it, now it feels like the forbidden fruit. I can't have it. But I, yeah, it does. Uh, it is really cool. I, I agree with Lana's sentiment that it, it's, it's a pretty amazing achievement for these developers that, you know, I played this game at launch. It was not great. It launched to very poor reviews and a lot of people dissatisfied. And it is such a success story of as, as exactly as you said, Lana, them putting in the work and not giving up on this game and really turning it around. And now it is, it is, it is not just a popular game. It It, it is beloved. You know, people mm-hmm. really uh, have so much affection for it. It feels like the devs have done so many things right by the players. And 
Endwalker, which is the new expansion that's causing all of this, uh, all of this chaos with the servers, is getting crazy good reviews as well. People are saying it is a really excellent experience. So, and you know, it's publisher just, it's believed in them, right? Like it's, it's like yeah. yes, the devs did the work and put in time and listened to feedback and also did things that wasn't specifically called for. Like they had a vision for what to make the game, but a lot of times teams aren't given that rope. You know, like a yeah. game test in new zealand for a week <laughs> and then it's like then it worked pull it yeah <laughs> um and they had the faith w- with final fantasy and i think a, perhaps a big part of it is that i think a lot of people kind of forget because it did launch so long ago but this is and was a numbered final fantasy sequel that final fantasy has certainly changed uh, tons from numbered sequel to numbered sequel but this was a big jump from what kind of final fantasy was into this being not a weird online mmo side story you know with eight other titles after it rebirth ascension (laughs) asterix the beginning also let's go um this was final fantasy 14 and they they gave it that leash to make this thing popular and i have to imagine very profitable as well or else that leash would get a lot shorter yeah and i guess the danger is that all of this goodwill that they've built up can dissipate pretty fast if folks are going to be dealing with, you know, four hour plus queues for any length of time. So one hopes that this is an issue that they, you know, clearly they're, they're taking steps, right. They're preventing people from buying it. Um, but uh, I can only imagine they're taking a lot of steps on the back end as well to try to, you know, mitigate the problem. But it is the danger here is that all, you know, folks that love this game so much will be frustrated and, inconvenience to the point where it, it, it may turn uh, hopefully that won't happen they'll get this thing sorted out and, and people get to play but i mean i remember i remember when i first bought world of warcraft back in you know diggity diggity seven or whatever year that was um the uh, the they did the same thing they pulled it off the shelves i remember getting it uh you know at, a, at a, like calling up like four different best buys to buy it and uh because they were pulling it off the shelves because there were too many too many cues. So it's not unprecedented for this to happen, but it certainly feels unprecedented for this late in a in a product's life cycle. I think it feels this late even in MMO's existence. Yeah. Like, yeah. For like the genre it feels yeah. like I'm it's I think it's remarkable. I think like the wanting to be togetherness of the pandemic has also maybe driven people into that sort of escapism type live in this different world uh, uh, genre. I think think that's a great point. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that the industry, you know, except for Korea, (laughs) except for places, you know, developers in Korea, but much of the industry has moved off of MMOs. And here you have new world coming out this year to smashing success and final fantasy 14, having smashing success. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's still this hunger for these kinds of experiences, but you don't, you don't hear of big, you know, AAA developers announcing MMOs like they used to, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, it really feels like the industry itself has decided that the, the genre isn't, isn't the new hotness, and yet players are clamoring to get into these games. So I think the good news, at least for me personally, is my game Finale Fantasy 14 is selling like hotcakes. Like, I mean, it is Because you just... can buy it because it's on the well, shelves. 
and the cover art looks like you know yeah. it's like it's one of those you know it's like the truck stop uh video game everybody's finale like, oh, finale, fantasia. Fa- <laughs> finale fantasy 14 is really good so um amazing all right christian spicer what is your story of the week my story of the week is this circulated um, last uh, last week after we recorded our show. It circulated last week, but um, people make games is a YouTube channel. I think most people, not most, some people might know them more for their board game coverage and and, and videos. Um, they've been doing video games for a while now as well. But last week they put out a new video. Um, about Roblox, a game that we don't talk much about on this show, uh, from a company that I believe is has a market cap value uh, is worth more than Nintendo, <laughs> and of course, market cap and valuations can shift in or you know whatever. It's like what was it Riven, the electric truck company they launched and like went public and their IPO put them in like more profitable than Ford, and they hadn't released a car yet. Like I understand the market is weird and whatever NFTs for life. Um, but Roblox is a big game. Sorry, did I, was that a spit? Was that an honest to god spit take? Uh, Atlanta, I made my day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Roblox is a huge game. It is a game that we don't talk about hardly at all on this show. Um, a lot of kids play it, and people make games. This second YouTube video about it that they put out really highlights the problems with the game. And I know that we have other parents that listen to this show. And so I think it's important to bring up. And some of those problems are um, the way the game itself is, well, the platform itself. If you know nothing about Roblox, it is a launcher where there is a game that exists, but also you are encouraged to make your own games within tool sets provided. You drag and drop, it can get more complicated, but it can also be very basic. And then you can sell that game for Robux and buy items off the marketplace and all of the trappings that go with that. And people then are running their own games, often IP infringing games within this Roblox platform. And it's the idea that the part of the promise that they're selling is, hey, kids, you can make your own game and make a lot of money. Um, And then there's like a million asterisks that come after that. Some of those asterisks are... Uh, the difficulty in which Roblox makes it for you to cash out, the way they shut down the official community forums because of toxicity and grooming and recruiting for violent extremist groups that were happening there. And so instead of moderating it, they just shut it down. And now those groups live elsewhere. And then also the exploitation of child labor and creating things that make this company a big chunk of change while locking kids into um, this ecosystem. So I don't know, Jeff or Lana, if either of you have followed Roblox. I know I kind of just verbal diarrhea a bunch. The art, I'm not going to pull up the, the video, um, but it is um, uh, their, second, their second video, and it's Roblox wanted us to take down this video, is the title of it. It's by People Makes Games, and it's 30 minutes long, and I think it and their first video are are highly worth watching um, because it's this place where I think people think it's a safe place. It was like Minecraft or something like that. And in my opinion, it, it, it's it's far it's far worse. Rolling Stone had an uh, article about it about like the the sex clubs that exist within Roblox 
Um, and then mm. Wired had a story about how it is a recruiting ground for fascist, extremist, violent groups. Um, and we don't talk enough about it. So I wanted to shine that light uh, on Roblox. It is one of those games, Roblox, that uh, is sort of sneaky popular, right? You don't have shows like ours or even really a lot of uh, mainstream games press pay a lot of attention to these games that are these massive juggernauts of user base and revenue generation and minutes played uh these these are a huge segment of what make up video gaming to a large group of people and, and yet YouTube because as well, like kids yeah kids youtube that like again polygon isn't going to run a bunch of stories on but it's huge on like what your child might be watching on youtube yeah so, they're just sort of trucking along sorry go ahead lena I was going to say, isn't Roblox, I don't know that much about it. I know that it's like a, a game that you can make stuff It's like in. Lego, it's like right? like a storefront. Yeah. Isn't it marketed towards kids specifically too yeah. for the most part? Yes. Like that's one of the things that I find to be like the most troubling about it is the content made by child developers, et cetera. Like that exploitation of kids, marketing towards kids, knowing you're doing a storefront for money that you're profiting off of. Like it would be, the situation would be bad no matter what kids would probably want to be a part of it no matter what. But if you're marketing it towards adults as like, this is a thing that you can do that makes like a little bit, but marketing it towards kids and then being like, but it's a store and we make a cut of everything you yeah. make kids get to work is wild. That's just a wild choice for the way to even present a game where that is a big part of, what it is yeah christian a lot of your issue with this is that it the entire representation of roblox is this is as a safe space for kids right it is it's it's a big welcoming happy come in kids and and you think it's a little more nefarious than that or at least based on this reporting yeah and i i, I think the company's um handling of it or not handling of it is just as problematic it, it kind of falls in the bucket of uh we don't have employees. We are an app that connects people that want X mm. with people who make X. And it's this kind of hand, like, we don't have forums. So we are not responsible for this. Yes, we know that everyone in the game, in the game itself, or in these games in it, point people towards the black market uh, websites to buy and sell these things so that we don't get our cut. We know that exists. We know what happens there. But like, that's not ours. And it's this kind of like willful ignorance that the Roblox Corporation takes with all of the really nasty stuff that's happening where it's like they don't have forums so they're discords but that's not ours but we're not going to give you a place to talk about it and we know that this being pointed to this place and we make it very hard to cash out well it's not real money though you're not you're not using right. real money it's, it's robux but that starts as real money and so it's all of the things that i think that so many games do but the way roblox has done them <laughs> together and I, I should say, um, while I do think the company is negligent in their handling and moderating of the content made and consumed in and around the game, I, I, I need to say, hopefully it goes without saying, but I need to say, the people doing the bad stuff, it is those people. It, you know, I, right. I don't think the president of Roblox is like, hey, kid, come <laughs> learn about this. Come to this sex club. I mean, like, it's not that. 
but there's a shirk. Well, we don't know what he does on his own time, but yeah. mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's true. good point. Good. I'll wait for the next uh, people make games video. Um, it's called an alt account. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been enough reported widely, you know, make it into some form of mainstream coverage problems of the system that uh, I think it, it's worthy of a, of a larger discussion. And I think it's a little scary because I kind of see other companies looking to Roblox's model of quote unquote success and implementing it into their games. And I think it leads to just toxic feeding toxic quote playgrounds where now in Fortnite, a game I love um, you can get XP playing player created modes. Whereas before you couldn't. And I feel like that's kind of the first step into Epic having everybody wants to be the launcher, right? Like again, I mentioned Halt and Catch Fire a lot. You're not going to be the internet; you're going to be the gateway to the internet. And so everybody now for Web 3.0 is trying to be the launcher for the thing that you spend all of your time in. And I think a lot of people are following this Roblox model of like we're not a game, we're a thing that lets you do all this stuff, and we market towards kids because that's where you want to be. And parents, you can't really watch everything they do by the way now this person is playing this hate speech game and it's like i realize i'm being a conspiracy theorist like overprotective parent but i think the slope gets slippery quickly um and everybody should take 30 minutes pause this podcast and go watch the uh the the video both of them but the newest one especially roblox pressured us to delete our video so we dug deeper by uh people make games it's it's troubling yeah the problem is of course creating you know having the wild west and saying hey anything you know you can make anything in our tool set uh, and then not taking the responsibility to uh police that if if your primary audience is kids and uh so yeah it does seem troubling and again it's not it's not a space that i'm an expert in by any stretch i i have not ever tried roblox my kids aren't into roblox Although TikTok, TikTok, I guess. I don't know if it's it's coming down the my son's loving Legos so much, who knows? But um but yeah, it, it's a huge, huge IP and a huge platform that so many young kids are are engaged with. You hope that they uh that something like this will prompt them to take a, a better stance on stuff like this. Um but my last to- comment on it, I think to your point about not being super well versed in it. Neither am I. Um, my kids don't play it, nor will they. <laughs> um, but it's, we are well versed in gaming in those systems, and it is still slightly confusing and complicated for me. And so I think that highlights an even bigger problem if you are going to think about like a parent who isn't even well versed in gaming or the government trying to understand these new platforms and what they mean. It's not the same as, and I, I realize I'm an old man yelling at the cloud, but it's not the same as like the kid watching Saturday morning cartoons. It's, it's, I think it's very hard as a parent in gaming and tech space to be on top of what their children are doing. Um, whether that's a, a YouTube personality that they like, where it's like, yeah, this seems friendly but then it's 180 hours of content over the course of a month. Yeah. Um, and a game platform like, uh, like Roblox. It's difficult because you see this over and over and over again, not just with, with video games and not just with, uh, with, with young kid content, 
But anybody that's trying to quote unquote make money on someone else's platform, mm. I always think is a very uh, problematic <clears throat> situation on the face of it because you are beholden to whatever they do with their platform. You know, we saw this a generation ago with people making Facebook, you know, Zynga and, and games on Facebook. And it's like, well, Facebook can do whatever they want or folks like making money on Twitter or making money on these other platforms. If you are, beholden to another platform for your income, you have no control. You have no control. So it's, um, it's scary when so many people, you know, especially young kids when they're like, Hey, I, I can make a thing and make money on it. Well, yes, maybe, but, but you, you don't have any power in that situation and you are ceding all of your power to uh, this other platform holder. So <coughs> steam, <coughs> steam, are you okay you need a there yeah got the water for a reason yeah yeah and and you know hopefully there are you know better faith actors and certainly you know i i have made money on platforms myself i'm not uh, above doing that but you have to kind of go in eyes wide open and understand that the platform holder holds all the cards in that situation Mm-hmm. All right. And then again, it's being marketed towards kids, right? Like yes. that I think is the biggest part of it. It's like Twitch, you need to be 13 or whatever. And I know there's loopholes and this, that, and the others, but it, I, I think the parents I've talked to, Roblox, it's like, oh, there's parental settings. So you can just limit this. And I'm like, I'm going to text you five articles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bye. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like e- if you're a company like this, sorry, I know we should just move on. But even in the world where you earnestly were like marketing at kids and by the power of the internet, this other, uh, you know, these other um, subsets of people are joining and using your platform in a way that you did not intend. That is on you to solve that problem and whether it is pull a final fantasy 14 and saying we need to solve this problem for the children we're going to take it offline for a bit while we sort it out or at least owning up to it like there has to be some accountability from roblox there to realize the the problems that are in its system and and do something about it so well hopefully videos like this will uh, help that effort um my story of the week, I, I'm tempted to go a different way, but I, I'm actually really curious what you guys think of this. Uh, the announcement that Ubisoft Toronto has made, they're bringing us Splinter Cell, a new Splinter Cell. Not really. Uh, it's a Splinter Cell remake. Speaking of things that are all the rage lately, remakes. Uh, it looks like Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell will be remade by Ubisoft Toronto using the Snowdrop engine, which is the same engine that has wowed us uh, with images of the, that upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, the uh, Ubisoft Star Wars game that is uh, we know is happening, but we haven't really heard much about yet. Uh, but it's clearly an engine capable of, of butamous things uh, that, uh, that these, new, these new consoles can do. I mean, it's got... I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff from that Pandora trailer. Um, and it, it, evidently a remake, a true remake, not a remaster, not a upscaling. This is on a new engine. This is kind of rethinking what the game is going to be, a, a kind of redesign from the ground up. But it is 
the first Splinter Cell game. I don't know, Lana, if you are a Splinter Cell fan or what you think about this. Of course, Ubisoft has, you know, got its own problematic corporate problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, setting that aside for a second, are you excited about this? What do you What do you expect to see? See, I feel like we've talked about it before where because of the way that I grew up with my parents not really wanting me to play video games, me not really having access to playing video games. I, you know, I read in the chat, somebody veritable hero was less excited about the remake. And I know it's not the authentic way to experience things, but for me, I'm like, bring on the remakes. I get to like have this experience of playing all these games I've never played. Yeah. The splinter cell lives in my brain as like something I was really excited about. Uh, for the animation, it was like one of the first GDC talks I remember going to and being like, wow, this is really game development and animation and what it looks like, baby, this is it. And so um, I'd be pumped to play it with like a few, like one caveat, I guess, that is speaking specifically to what I think people get worried about when they hear remake instead of remaster. Whoever's doing a remake, I understand the desire to want to like put your twist on it. But like <laughs> the thing people get excited about is what they knew. So mm. I, I just urge that team to make at least everything that was there in the first one. You got to make everything that was there and then you can do the other stuff. And this stuff should be easier because <laughs> you know what it is. Well, it, don't it, start over here and then be like, oh, shoot, we forgot to make the game. I, I think that's w wise words, of course, but it's tricky, right? Because a, a lot of these games that are, you know, 20 plus years old, the industry has moved on and has has absorbed the lessons learned from those early games and innovated and evolved those genres. And then when people actually go back and play them, they're like, oh, this feels antiquated and wrong. It's mm -hmm. supposed to feel like this. And I haven't played Splinter Cell in, you know, since it came out. So I, I I don't know if it falls victim to that or not, but it certainly feels like the the stealth action genre has has come a long way in, mm -hmm. in decades. So who knows? But, that, it, but that's the stuff you can that, that's the stuff that you can address. And that's the remake mm -hmm. part of it is like rebuilding those systems to be more modern. But the essence of the game, the plot you know, the, the general look of characters, just given that shine. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is doing yeah. a great thing. I know a lot of people who knew the original really well. I have, like, issues with some of the stuff in it. But for the most part, it's, like, updated combat system. It's, like, not yeah. turn-based. But you, it kind of is because you can freeze everything and go into these menus. And it's, like, right. you can see what the enemies are going to do because it says the name of the attack before it happens. It's, like, this interesting updated take on what was effectively the same thing. And I bet that they started with making the same thing and said, okay, where can we go from here? Well, that's the the quote from Matt West, who is a, a producer on this new updated Splinter Cell, uh, says, quote, although we are still in the earliest stages of development, what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remains intact in all the ways that gave early Splinter Cell its identity. So as we're building it from the ground up, we're going to update it visually as well as some of the design elements to match player comfort and expectations. Uh, it says we are we are going to keep it linear like the original games and not make it open world. So I think that's that seems like they are paying attention to the the kinds of uh, things that you're talking about, Lana. Uh, 
Christian, I know of the three of us, you are by far the biggest Splinter Cell fan. And you have been wanting a new Splinter Cell game for years. Uh, many E3s, I believe, you've gone in hopeful that a Splinter Cell will be announced. Is this is this what you would want to see from Splinter Cell, the franchise? Too early to tell. <laughs> Linear doesn't mean that Ubisoft won't make me buy an NFT to unlock the next level. <laughs> that then I own a brick of Splinter Cell. Like I yeah. don't. I don't love hey, those reports of splinters. like get by. Uh, yeah, get splinters. The reporting out this week of like devs being like, we also devs at Ubisoft, like we also don't really like this. And then I think the internal memo came from Eves, and it was like, too bad. This is just <laughs> the beginning. And I was just like, not like this. Um, I I have a question, Lana, and if it's outside of your depth, just let me know. Um, but as Jeff and I jest are blowhards, and you actually make cool things competently. <laughs> um. How much easier, in your opinion, is a remake versus doing a Star Wars Episode Seven style or Creed, you know, like Taraki and then the Creed movie? Uh, I'm so curious because it seems like a lot of work is going to have to go into this new engine, new mechanics, but like maybe just original script. Like, I don't understand that. Do they think that will sell better as a remake than if they just said, Michael Ironside's back, um, we're making a new Splinter Cell, and it's kind of that spiritual start over point but not a retelling of the first story that people have maybe already played is is one cheaper or easier than the other i feel like it'll be like no matter which direction you're going in it's going to be more expensive in in some way i think yeah. it's doing a remake is not like a true remake is not in my opinion easier like from a fundamental building level than making a new game because you are building a lot of the tech out that you'd need that you're using that engine from the avatar game. So at least all that's done, but still making sure that all of the different components that you need to actually build the abilities, the designs, the the movement, like everything that you want, just making sure that all works. Um, I think having it's easier from the sense that you don't be like, you're not looking at a blank piece of paper and being like, well, what do you guys what do you guys want to do? Uh, you guys, it's like okay, it's a stealth game, so it's going to have these stealth mechanics. What were the most popular things from that game? These things, like the essence of that game, I think the most fun mechanics that you can circle and you start there and you you build those, and that is easier only because you don't have to think about what the ideas are. You just have to make them a smooth implementation. And with modern technology, ideally making that smooth implementation is a lot easier than trying to figure out, is this fun? What are the timings of things? What are the specific balance? What knobs are we turning to get the right level of impact on these things? It's just the mechanical effort. And I think more of an artistic effort than um, a purely like design focused thing or a as yeah, much you, of a heavy partnership. You start with a, you, you don't start with a blank piece of paper and say, hey, what should we put? You start with a paper with some stuff on it and you go, what should we erase? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what should we replace? What should but, we yeah. erase? And like, like to speak to like more like the, the, the plot elements of it, from my perspective, if you are a developer and you are making a remake and you're putting devs on that, like the desire to like do something new, like I think the player's desire to play a remake is to, to play a smooth, modern version of a thing yeah. that they loved, not play 
a new, different game necessarily. And maybe I'm wrong. That's my subjective feeling. If I'm playing a remake, like, give me that Jack and Daxter remake, baby. I don't want you to update anything. Don't change the stuff I loved. Just make it sick. Make it so smooth and awesome to play now. Make it work on my PlayStation 5 and look Ray crisp. tracing. Yeah. Ray tracing. Yeah. Like, give me all the good stuff. Um, and I think it's the responsibility of the developer to put developers on the project who are excited to see that vision come to life. If you are taking developers who are bored of doing that, you're not doing the right, like the best thing for the project. You're not doing the best thing for those people's careers. Like everybody's unhappy in the end. I think. Yeah. I it wonder is. what the market, re- sorry, Jeff, like the market research says about like remake versus new. I, there must be something safer. And I agree with the blank page approach, even though I do think something like star Wars episode seven, which I really enjoyed and Creed, which I loved also doesn't necessarily start with the blank page. Mm-hmm. Like Creed started with Rocky and they erased Sylvester Stallone and then wrote <laughs> in Michael B. Jordan An immediate, you know, great. Like that's a great place to start. Put Michael B. Jordan in anything. You're at a great spot. Um, and then kind of mirrored those beats, but maybe it is when you open Pandora's box of like, we're going to make a new one. And then somebody's like, well, I have an idea. And then someone else on Slack is like, what about this idea? And then someone else is like, let's do this. And then you can just be like, no, Push you all aside. Remake. Put Michael B. Jordan <laughs> in Splinter Cell and be done with it. Uh, Thank you, oh, dude. The, I'm in now. It, That's the, the right level of update. Where I where I do agree with you, Christian, is that thinking back to the remakes that have worked really well is these iconic experiences. Lana brought up Final Fantasy VII remake. Final Fantasy VII is a a story, a world unique to that sequel, very much beloved by people. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, another one where that experience so iconic. Uh, Dark Souls, right? Different than any of the other Souls games. People know it inside and out. Splinter Cell, I don't think is the same template. Like you are a bigger Splinter Cell fan than I, so maybe I'm completely off base on this. But I would predict you couldn't tell me what happens in the first Splinter Cell game. You just—that's not spl- true. That's not true. There is a okay. dope cave. With like your light looks cool, and there's a dark you sneak. You do the splits above somebody, and and that looks cool. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. We're, you All that could be the new game, and you wouldn't even know the difference. I think it's just an odd thing to let. Nobody's clamoring to replay through that amazing story of the first Splinter Cell game, right? It's See, the only. This is where ahead, I might Nana. disagree with you because there's a really great talk by my pal Ryan Duffin that talks about respecting players specificity Mm. so it came from a place of uh, working on reload animations in like realistic gun games and if they do anything wrong you could be like well who's gonna notice most people won't but there's a a decently large subset of people who will be like let me tell you why this is wrong and it's ruining my experience of this game yeah yeah so coming to this i agree i mean i've never played Splinter, splinter cell you change the story i don't give a crap but there's a, a probably substantial subset of people who would be buying that game who, if it's not at least somewhat similar to what they remember, they'll be like, that's not my protagonist name. Right. Hashtag not my protagonist guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. Sam you're- Fisher. Okay. Is, is that his name? Uh, yes, it that's is. That's his name. I think we're the first game, what I would be excited about 
a remake versus a, a, maybe even then a Star Wars Episode Seven retelling is it was a much simpler story, right? It was, I mean, simpler in like the Jason Bourne Mission Impossible. It had its twists and turns. But by the later games, you're on a flying helicarrier, like everything, everybody's cheated, everybody else, everybody has a kid with something, you know, it's like, and here's the new baby in season seven. And you're like, I don't why think Chris has played any baby? of the Splinter Cell games. <laughs> I played, I don't remember a new baby. You do, it was his daughter. Uh, she was introduced. <laughs> See, this this is the thing that I think Final Fantasy Carrie Fisher seven did really well. Um, was like the original plot was there, or it is there, but they sort of stretched it out. So they're adding more into this world. Yeah, I think they, they did pivot in a way. I know people are mad. Somebody's going to get mad at me for being like it's not the same, but. Like the essence is there, like the main story beats, I think, are all there, but they've infused more in between those main story beats to give you more to explore. So if there's a linear, straightforward story, that seems like a place where you could inject like a, a bunch of side quests or like additional yeah. plot points where you're like, here's our linear story. But what happens in this, I assume, time skip cutscene between getting from one location to another? Maybe you actually experience that and you get to travel yourself that a whole distance like yeah when did splinter cell one come out long time ago <laughs> long time. gamecube gamecube xbox one and it yeah. was like the lighting of the x it was like a, a showpiece for what the original xbox could do it's it's 20 years old it is 20 years old uh it's tom clancy splinter cell where is it oh i thought i had it but it's not here on the wikipedia so um, let's play this game jeff because this won't be in our prediction episode and lana you can chime in as well they the you know this is in the early stages of development 2003 uh, 2003 so what let's put a year on it when does this game come out uh i'll go first 2025 2025 yeah i think that's yeah. that's pretty uh bold <laughs> i think yeah, i think it's they're early stages of the development right so it's probably what do you say lana you you know more than us about how long yeah way to hedge take. jeff you shoot mine down <laughs> see i was gonna for say, a little bit and then pitch <laughs> yeah i was gonna say 2025 as well but there's like a bashinsky family rule we play like a lot of card games that involve like bidding <laughs> tricks <laughs> and you can never bid the same. You can't bid even yeah. tricks. You got to. So $1. I know I'll go risky. $1. I'd say going, 2024. End of 2024 though. 2024.9. Yeah, exactly. I say 2026 at the earliest. Uh, November 17th, 2002 is when uh, the first one came out. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, we've been talking about this way too long, but the, Sorry. Uh, my, no, no, it's not your fault. Uh, the, uh, I was saying that to, because I'm going to continue talking about it. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the point I, I was agreeing with uh, Christian's original premise, which is like, I kind of don't get why I'm remake instead of just a new Splinter Cell game. Just why not? At this point, I don't understand anybody who's clamoring to re play the story of the first game yeah, what there, like you said christian there must be marketing research or something that says remake is has some value to it because why not just why not just make a splinter cell and call it whatever you want to call it and be able to do it however you want to do it and whatever uh, that's what people have been asking for for years i don't understand it yeah but i would bet that somebody in some producer c-level role is like i think splinter cell's dead but you can try to prove it <laughs> By reselling this other game, and if you get enough sales, maybe yeah. Papa will let you have your own game. 
Maybe we'll get some, yeah, maybe we'll get some some folks uh, who had watched me <laughs> saying, "Hey, we makes are actually easier to fund and or create." Uh, because I did I did get some developer feedback. I should mention I did get some developer feedback about our other question recently, uh, or my question about like why aren't games in ultra wide? Just flip the switch <laughs> into the ultra wide mode. And uh, I got some developers who are like, yeah, it's kind of not that easy. I have uh, some UI artists whose hearts are breaking every time you say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. For UI artists, it's like, we tried so hard to make it clear, and now you're pushing it to the edges of the screen. Yes, but like those the- black bars on my beautiful monitor are so ugly. Ugh, life is so difficult. When it you is. So much space. It's the worst thing that I've ever experienced. <laughs> Okay. The background of a level like beautifully animates in idle animation, and then for super ultra wide, it's just like static, but it's there. It's just like no trees are rustling or anything. <laughs> you just got to get everybody with super ultra wide monitors, and then uh, you know what you should do, Jeff. Forced on everyone. What you should, what they should do. Every developer should do this. Get a picture of Jeff's back wall, and then instead of black bars at the end of the image, just <laughs> make it look like Jeff's wall. <laughs> Which, yeah, it looks transparent. Yeah, just to have that feature. It's like <laughs> upload your own image of the for every gamer. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get off the news segment, uh, there was a pretty big thing that happened this week that none of us used as our story of the week. But I, I would be remiss if I let it pass without mention at all. And that is Nintendo had a new Indie World showcase, which at what point did we move from calling them Nindies to Indie World? I think I, I feel like we've lost something. And that thing we've lost is a portmanteau. And I love a portmanteau. Uh, but uh, Nindy's are gone. Indie World, Nintendo Indie World Showcase 2021, the December showcase, uh, had a bunch of independent games that are coming to Switch. Uh, we don't have to spend tons of time on it because a lot of these games are already announced, like uh, Ollie Ollie World, which I know, Christian, you're excited about. But uh, I'm wondering, uh, Lana, if there were any of the uh, announced, these are about a 45-minute um Nintendo Direct showing off a bunch of independent games. Nothing, you know, no first party games, nothing like that. All independent games. But if there was anything here that uh, struck your fancy that you'd like to call out as something interesting, um, I totally missed this. Uh, I was talking telling you guys before. It's been crazy busy. In oh here. yeah. Uh, but the one game that I haven't played that I've heard nothing but amazing things about is a uh, uh, Chicory, a colorful tale. Have either of you played Chicory? I have not, but it does look delightful. Uh, We've talked about it on the show. And it is one where I'm like, that, yep, that does sound great. And then I don't. Um, yeah. It's my Final Fantasy well, I, 14. I just, I'm waiting for them to pull it off the shelf so I can go buy it. <laughs> well, I see this and I assume that that means it's coming to Switch. And for me, everything that can possibly go on my Switch is like, oh, well, I'll just wait till it's on Switch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Confirmed it is coming to Switch. Um, there are, uh, there are a bunch of games here that, yeah, have already kind of come out or been announced, but now are confirmed for switch which is which is cool and i love how nintendo is is embracing the independent scene uh christian any games on here other than ollie ollie world that i know you're excited about ollie ollie world is big um and i've talked about early hands-on with that uh, on this show and and i remain excited for that game um river city girls 2 was probably the one i was most excited about i am currently replaying river city girls for reasons um and i i like what it does to that brawler formula um it's interesting it's it and this one seems to add a little bit more rpg edness to it but it's still a very pure brawler i mean the first game literally opens with a guitar riff and it's like their boyfriends got stolen so they're gonna beat everybody up and i'm like i know what i'm doing in this game (laughs) (laughs) done um it's it's and it's i think it's still way forward and um 
uh, forgetting the other team behind it, but it's a solid team making a sequel to a, a very solid game. So that's fun. Uh, the one that piqued my interest, I mean, there's a number of games, a lot of really beautiful pixel art, I would point out over the course of this entire presentation. Um, but one of the games that really uh, piqued my interest was a game called Locomotive, which looks like a throwback to old point and click adventure games, but it's got full voice acting and stuff. I mean, it's it's very much a Day of the Tentacle, uh, you know, Secret of Monkey Island style throwback pixel art 2D uh, game. Uh, it's going to be out on Steam as well. Uh, their target, I guess, is summer of 2022. So I guess that means it'll be out in the fall of 2023. Is that the math that we're working with now? No, um, no reason to expect the delay on this, but it, it does look like a real labor of love, this game. And it's a murder mystery on a, on a train. You know, I love that sort of Agatha Christie-esque uh, idea. And it looks like it has a lot of style and uh, personality. So it's something I think I'm definitely going to keep my eye on. Locomotive. All right. A number of really interesting games um, in the Nintendo indie world, but those are the ones that we're excited about. Let's get to the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Of course, you've heard me talk about Squarespace for more than a decade because I've been using it for more than a decade. I've been recommending it to my friends and family for more than a decade. Why? Because at some point, all of us need a website. You're going to need to have a website, whether you are blogging or publishing content in some way, even if you're just having an announcement of an event, it's useful to have a website. But if you have a store or you want to sell things online, boy, you're going to need a website. Any of those use cases and so many more are simply created by Squarespace. You do not have to pay someone an exorbitant amount. To, uh, you don't have to learn HTML. You can still do it yourself but do it the easy way by doing using the tools at Squarespace. And that's because the tools are very straightforward, very simple. It's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. You start with templates that are designed by expert creators. Uh, but your site isn't going to look like every other site out there because from that template, you can just start messing around, dragging things around, moving, adding bits, dropping in e-commerce functionality if you want to sell things. So simple to use. So simple. I, I built jeffcanada.com uh, on Squarespace, like I said, <laughs> 10 years ago now. So easy. Uh, you can make it yourself. Plus, they have free and secure hosting. They have built-in search engine optimization. You never have to update anything or patch anything. You don't have to worry about any of the nuts and bolts. It's all handled for you behind the, behind the scenes. Simple. Make it yourself with Squarespace. And if you head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, you can get a free trial and start using those tools today without even giving them your credit card. They're not going to automatically bill you at any point. You can build your entire website. And then when you're ready to launch it, Use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Squarespace is also a great place just to get domain names. If you uh, need a new domain, they have over 200 extensions to choose from, an awesome front end that makes it easy to find the domain that's perfect for you. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? Tell us on the playlist. 
right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Lana, I know, like all of us, you've been getting some time in uh, on that Halo Infinite. Yes. Yes, I have. But I have not been getting in on the Halo Infinite from, like, the cool new way. I'm, like, always one step behind. So I'm still just in multiplayer mode. I have not downloaded the campaign at all. Oh, that's uh, great. Unfortunately. But, uh yeah, this is actually the, like the first Halo game I've ever played. It's another one of those. Yeah, yeah give me another. I'm still in the 90s or whenever the first <laughs> one came out. Everybody else, you'd be 30 years ahead. That's great. Um, it's fun. I definitely have like thoughts and my computer is maybe, I don't know if it's my computer or if it's the game. But if I'm like riding on any vehicle and it flips, I just hard crash out. Like, oh, really? I had a lot, oh, I had no. a lot of unfortunate issues um i guess i should talk about the positives first it's fun the battle rifle forever that's like all i want <laughs> in my life i it's like a perfect beautiful gun like one of my favorite guns i think i've ever used in a, a shooter there's that and then the shock rifle from unreal tournament 2004 are like up there <laughs> really, like my two faves it really is from unreal tournament i didn't put that together myself i now that you mentioned it it really does feel like that yeah um oh it's good it's great it's uh I, yeah it's, are you sure you don't have a setting on where when you crash your car it's like ultra realism mode where you, your computer <laughs> crashes too you crash yeah. crash oh that would be that would be great unless <laughs> uh you know deep immersion if you want to feel that frustration and fear for your life um or technology yeah. um sorry to interrupt you i'll just throw out one more thing about the car is is it occurred to me while playing Halo again, it's crazy to me that in the 20 years since Halo, so many console first-person shooters have used Halo as the template for how to do a, a first-person shooter, except in one very specific way. And that is no one that I know of, maybe you guys can correct me, but no one does vehicle driving like Halo. Nobody does mm -hmm. just push forward on the stick and that accelerates. Everybody does accelerator brake, right? And it's interesting to me, do you which way do you prefer, Lana, now having uh, driven cars this way? Well, the the way that I prefer is mouse and keyboard. So I don't know about this <laughs> action because I like winning my first person shooters. Wow. I just got um, I just got owned. Uh but I, you know, I'll premise of my you. question is insulting. <laughs> <laughs> what well, so this is i mean i'm so new to halo i'm i don't know any of the names of the vehicles i am so all i know that's the one that's the one yeah, i know that's now all you need to know yeah and let me tell you i ain't the driver okay <laughs> i am on that gun that is my favorite thing uh one of the most fun things about halo so far i love i don't love actually the big team battle is chaotic it's like man what is my team doing flag they're getting come on can anybody focus people are just standing by the battle rifle waiting for it to spawn like come on let's go let's go yeah playing for their own twitch highlight in big yeah. team battle life in the games that i'm playing like everybody's doing their own stunt and i'm just like okay <laughs> this is what we're doing so when it first came out though i have like a, a couple friends uh, and then they have a couple friends, and then that person has a couple friends, and they started a new Discord server, and we played a 12-stack, we're all 12 people who know each other in a team, big team battle, and I love being able to play with a huge group of my friends 
after playing like MOBAs for so long where it's like, well, who's my four other friends? So I have one other friend, get out or we're splitting the friendship, like whatever. The ability to play the 12 person on a team chaos, like, let's go. I hope we're not up against another 12 stack, like whatever. It's great. And there's just like agreed upon rules, meet a new friend who's like, I will always drive and you will always gun. And I'm like, this is the perfect relationship. This is all I've ever wanted. It's great. I also have 12 friends. <laughs> well, we we know we know I don't. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not bringing that up again. I love so much about that moment, though. Am I you deep, have deep guilt? You have. <laughs> well, like hearing about it is very surreal to like listen to DLC and like a, a two episodes later, you're like, when I said something, you're going to mess me up, and I'm like, oh, I can't even say anything. I can't apologize. No, no, no. It was a, it was a really uh, actually wonderful thing. It's it. I've. Uh, it's been like therapy for me for the last months. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. It was just like what? that moment in Ratatouille is how I describe it, where he like faced the thing and like the whole world comes flashing before his eyes. That's that was that was the same thing that you did. You were my Ratatouille. That's me. Bring in, bring in the zoom focus into your own inner mind clarity. Yeah. Um, I actually was going to see, like, I, I, I thought for sure that you, uh, I was going to see if you guys wanted to play Halo multiplayer sometime, but I know you don't love the multiplayers. I did. Uh, I did play just uh, on a whim. I ha- happened to be available one night and I, and uh, Dave Chen and Devinder Hardwar and some other folks were playing. Uh, and they invited me on to play. It was right after multiplayer was released and I jumped on and I had a good time, but I'm just so rubbish at those games, man. I'm so rubbish. It, I, I it's fun just because it's fun to be with people, but mm-hmm. I don't prefer, I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm so terrible at, at first person multiplayer games that. Yeah. I'm trashed know. here. And the best part yeah. is just the chaos. That's, you know what? Yeah. I would, I would drive. Wait, I wait, wait, drive wait. and you all can just done. <laughs> so lawyer, former lawyer brain, um, your honor, permission to treat this witness as hostile. Just two minutes ago, you said you play with mouse and keyboard because you said you're good at first-person shooters. But yet now, Miss Lana, you should have the gall to sit here and say you're trashed here. Which is it? How can this jury believe anything that comes out of your mouth when you go forward and back on the same topic within the span of two minutes? Um, I don't know lawyer terms, but objection. <laughs> Anybody playing on mouse and keyboard is still better than those playing on controller. Oh. Right? How's your auto aim doing? Get out of here. Great. Thank oh. you. I need more of it. Like You're it, out it, of order. Of this whole court is out of order. <laughs> to uh, your driving point, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what you think about chat. that. Uh, Venerable Hero, men- oh no, uh, Mega Dads mentioned it in the chat, and it's true. Fortnite very much has a Halo esque style driving mm. control and also mm. feel. Um, and then the easy one is um, uh, Destiny. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, yeah, of course. Well, there's Destiny. no driving in Destiny, really. You can have Apex, right? There's yeah. like little cars, but it's not, there's like one every once in a while. Yeah. But there is, even aside from also, the control, same developer. The, <laughs> there's the the beauty of the it's controlled chaos right like it's not forza driving it's not grand Turismo driving it's like that's what's fun about it you will flip this warthog like there's no not (laughs) no you're spinning the back end all over the place it's wild and wacky and that's what i love about it and that's one of the reasons that when i you know play a halo game again i'm reminded like it's so strange to me that 
I get that it makes more sense to have accelerator brake, right? Because that's how every driven thing operates on this planet. So it does make more sense. Uh, you're not ever driving something by just saying forward, you know, but, uh, but, it, but it's you super can, fun in Halo. I, I, it's, it feels special and it feels like something that I'm surprised isn't lifted by more games because it's so iconic. I thought it was like a, I thought it was like a contentious thing. So, so this being my first Halo, Maybe all I is. remember hearing is people being like, eh, it was fun until they added vehicles to the game. Oh, there's well, been vehicles, vehicles was always go. there. At the, really? Yeah. I feel like I remember that being like a, a moment that people were like, meh. And also, no. Gran Turismo, uh, and I don't think Forza does, I don't use it if it does, but I know Gran Turismo does have that dual analog um, oh, yeah? drive. It, it doesn't feel like Halo because it's a more sim style racer, but yeah. because, was it the first DualShock? Didn't it have analog? It was like more control with the thumbstick than what you could get with the um, the trigger Triggers. kind of yeah. back then, so folks would play that play that way. But it's... Uh, it's uh, real nice. Driving in Halo games is real nice. It's fun. It's just wacky fun. <laughs> uh, Christian, I know you completed the single-player campaign this week. I did. I rolled credits. My playtime, it showed like just 12, 12 and a half hours, 12 hours, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, yeah. have you, I'm assuming you have not rolled credits yet, Jeff? No, I too had a crazy week. I traveled uh, and uh, did a bunch of things. Had family in town, so it's been it's been holidays. I have not had enough time to uh, play it, but I'm eagerly anticipating the completion of the campaign. I want to do a spoiler chat. I think at some point. Um, so what I'm going to say right now is not narrative spoilery at all. It is mechanic. I, I wouldn't consider it spoilery, but I'm going to talk about progression of mechanics over the game. If you don't want to know anything about it. Uh, Jeff, take out your earbuds. Everybody else, crash your car, run away from it, leave the podcast playing so other people that do want to hear can can hear about it. Um, I loved the campaign. I love my time with Halo Infinite. I will also say that this is probably the earliest that I have my top five favorite games of the year list locked. Usually it's like we start recording the show and I'm still tinkering. Uh, It's the earliest being literally we're recording it next week. (laughs) <laughs> and that's far earlier than I've ever had my there list. You go. Before. All right. Yes. Um, and, and I loved the moment to moment gameplay of Halo. We talked about that 30 seconds of fun and repeating it. I, as I finished it, I was shocked at how old school of a game it was where within the first, I don't know, two hours, maybe a little longer than that. You've seen everything. Like you truly, you'll, you can upgrade your dash. Don't, who cares about the dash? Um, <laughs> upgrade your shields, upgrade your grapple shot. That's all you need. And I think you've seen every enemy type. Like you've really seen everything. And then you're just doing it in environments over the course of another 10, 11 hours or whatever that is. And it was very fun. <laughs> it, well, it and is- I was shocked because that was like an old style of game and then last point sorry jeff the last point was i was also surprised as somebody who loves narrative how much i fell off infinite's narrative like there are a couple moments of like what i thought were cutscenes, but then i noticed a door was open and i was like can i walk through that door i'm doing it by person talking to me <laughs> like i want to do the fun thing again and then the the what I kind of see as a disconnect between like um, character chatter and cutscene, like the grunts 
I don't think exist within the same world, <laughs> but I love hearing them talk. Like there's one there where the, like the grunt like sings the Halo theme song. Like I hate that song. And I'm like, that's so funny. But also, is this a Ryan Reynolds movie? Like it's it's weird. It's really <laughs> right. weird. I've been thinking a the lot about it. The have always been a little goofy, you know, in the emotes. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait for you to finish it, Jeff. I'm excited. Sorry for talking through what you were going to say, though. Well, you know, let me respond to your first point before making points two and three. That's all I'm saying. It, because nope. uh, I don't even remember what the first point was now. What was the first point? Uh, the, the, the progression. You've seen everything there is to see oh, in the right. game. Within. I, I think in contrast to what you were saying, I don't think, I think that's not how old school games were. I think old school mm-hmm. games were gate everything you know, you don't get the BFG, you don't get the, the the crazy missile launcher until you've already had the pea shooters up to that point, right? And I like how uh, Infinite says, hey, you want to be OP right at the beginning? Cool, dude. Go for it. We'll get, you know, you, you can discover the craziest weapon in the game in the first 30 seconds of the game. That's fine with us. Uh, and I think, I mean, not the first 30 seconds because you have to do like two hours of linear hallway stuff in halo but you get what i'm saying (laughs) but you know what i mean it's it's um i think it's a kind of refreshing take rather than something more traditional where everything is attainable all at once there's no gating the most impressive stuff behind time right there's no forcing you to wait for the coolest weapon you can get the coolest weapon any any point you want. And it's just, we're just going to pour more enemies at you and realize that it's always fun for you to feel OP. You know, like I, I, the, the first time I came across, um, what are they called? The guardians, the old guys from the, from combat evolved that were like the hardest enemies in combat evolved. The elites. No, those hulking, uh, what are those things called? The, like the, they look like oh. beetles. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have the shield. Yeah. I think they're um, called guardians. The, the beetle boys. Beetle, oh, the beetle boys. Yeah. The beetle boys. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, John and Ringo. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the first time I saw those those guys, I remember you know I immediately flashed back because I hadn't thought about that enemy type in a million years, and I immediately flashed back to what it was like when I fought them in Combat Evolved, and they were this thing you worked up to and they were this massive showdown and you had to like prepare. And if you, you know, didn't have the right weapon at the right time. And then this game, they're just like, Oh, they're hanging out over there, you know, uh, which is, it's kind of cool. It's kind of refreshing to me. They're just, it's just a big playground. Um, and I feel like that's very new school approach, not old school. I, I think that's so interesting. And so I listened to last week's episode on the flight up here and both of you were talking about, or maybe not both of you, but you were talking about how, like, when you're running through the world, you're just picking up sort of whatever weapons nearest to you, and you have, like, a couple that you like and you want to stick with um, when you kind of get them, but you'll also get whatever's kind of near you, and that was an experience you enjoyed. And now hearing, like, oh, there's these big guys over here that I can just go fight. That's exciting. I could yeah. do that. Um, it feels very new school, but also, didn't both of you kind of bounce off Breath of the Wild? Because that... <laughs> Yeah, but like yeah, that, you're speaking yeah. to like the two things that I feel like people were like bummed about. It's like, true. There's nothing time gating. You can just go defeat Ganon. You can go get the weapons that are in the castle. And when you first like people hate the weapons break, but it encourages you to try different weapons that are in the area, it encourages you to do different things. It's like the same things that people have been that I hear discourse around being annoyed in something like Breath of the Wild, loving in this new setting. I just think that's very interesting. I, think I have love thought. to Great understand point. why one would work and why one would not work for you. I think you're making an excellent point, and I don't have an 
I don't have a great retort. I, I there's something to me psychologically different about a weapon breaking and a weapon running out of ammo. Uh, I, I think that's something- one you can use and do a bunch of damage, and one has no ammo. <laughs> yeah. The difference specifically here is that in Halo, I can instantly fast travel back to an FOB and get whatever weapon I just had with no time lost. And then I can fast travel to the FOB right next to where I was and get right back to what I was doing. Um, and the enemies are dropping. There are weapon caches near me at all times that have fun and compelling weapons. So I'm not stuck with a stick and the narrative. Should I ever want to jump back in is very focused and breath of the wild. I couldn't. And part of the reason why I never beat it. Like this year was my goal to actually beat it. I couldn't just go finish the campaign. Like Halo, you can run around the world, Halo Infinite, do whatever you want, have all this fun, you know, moment-to-moment sandboxy play. And then if you want, it's you just go do a level. Like literally just go do the level. And in Breath of the Wild, I got to the point where I got to the last Ganon fight. But before that, I had to grind for whatever it was, two or three hours of gameplay that I didn't want to be doing, but I didn't have the resources to get the thing to do the thing. And so in some ways, Halo Infinite's campaign is very linear if you just want to do the campaign and then that open world stuff i feel like is less um punishing than mm-hmm. halo i mean than halos than zelda's but also less rewarding um because of that lack of punishment it's like i know if i get over into this base i'm going to find uh a rocket launch like th- there's going to be a power weapon there that's easily accessible to me and if not i know i can just get out and get your right audio back cut out, and not oh it's back though what happened your audio cut out oh just for a moment and i made a great point i <laughs> <laughs> pick it up and i'll splice it together uh rocket launcher know. easily accessible to you yes there's going to be a rocket launcher easily accessible to you there's going to be a power weapon there and you can teleport out of there should you need to and get back to it just as quickly and in my playthrough of breath of the wild it, it wasn't that like mm-hmm. I'd be in the thick of it and the weapon I wanted to use would break. And I didn't remember where I got that weapon <laughs> or how to get it again. But it, I, I recognize that it also speaks to a very specific type of gamer and it's not to the quality of the game. It's just to how I want to spend my time in, in the no, world. This is, this is how we lose listeners. Christian is the two main hosts of DLC. think Halo <laughs> infinite is better than breath of the wild. That's how, uh, that's how we lose listeners. It's not, you think it's better no. it's just that you like it don't have the with, patience yeah. or it clicked with us but i will also say when you say bounced off of breath of the wild i put it christian said his playtime for halo infinite campaign was 12 hours i bounced off of breath of the wild after 12 hours of the game i was so. using your words <laughs> no, i don't no, no, you, you say are. bouncing you are but i just want to be clear that i i've i've you know, I, I played a fraction of Breath of the Wild at more playtime than the entire campaign that Christian took to finish uh, Infinite. So That's just take that so for funny. what it's worth, you know, take that for what it's I worth. I was so into Breath of the Wild that I like, when I found the last fairy fountain after I was scouring the whole earth for it, I literally like cried in joy. Like I love that game. So even like 12 hours, I'm like, don't you want to spend 200? It's the best. I just oh, love this, it. And, and this honestly, is why people want you to be uh, a permanent, they say permanent third chair on the show, but they really mean replace Jeff or I. They mean like yeah. permanent first <laughs> chair. second chair. 
Oh. Yeah, first chair. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, because I can really, you know, what's the word when you're just cheesing for the audience? I'm here. I'm here for the easy love, baby. What other games do you like, love? She's like, a, uh, you know, she's like the the Christmas uncle who just sweeps into town, gives the best presents, and leaves, and it's like everybody's like, "Wow, man, that uncle should be here all the time." Actually, you would be great if you were here all the time. Let's not let's not be let's not be silly about it. Um, I will also say that. And again, this angers a lot of people. Free, uh, fully aware of that, freely admit it. I found my love for Breath of the Wild. It was just hiding in Phoenix Immortals Rising. <laughs> that's the I game never... that I put. That's the game that I put seventy hours into and fell completely in love with. I was like, oh, I get why people love uh, Breath of the Wild. I did it. I, I, I feel like it's one of those things where like Mortals Phoenix my, my urge to be like like deeply sassy and a little cutting <laughs> is fighting with my urge to be professional and positive. No, you don't need to ever be professional and positive here. Lord knows we are to the small game industry. He'll be like, oh, weren't you that damn that just crabbed all over a game? <laughs> Goodbye forever. I just... Uh, oh, wait, that gets you blocked out of... Uh, opportunities i am so screwed. <laughs> i i also want to mention i said the title wrong immortals phoenix rising is what is the game i put 70 hours plus into uh all right this is the perfect segue into our reoccurring segment which is lana gives jeff a guilt trip so this is what i want to ask this is a perfect segue this is a perfect segue do you like escape rooms yeah yeah, I've only done three maybe ever, but yeah, I enjoy them. Yeah. Because I was thinking about it. Okay, so the other game that I've been playing that is, you know, pulling a big uh, Christian here, my game of the year is the Outer Wilds DLC. Baby. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah, Christian is, is pumping his fist right now because you are legitimizing DLC for an older game as being the year's greatest game, which, you know, I don't want to encourage Christian so be careful. Sorry, Jeff. Some of us just respect the brand of our show and want oh. it to do well. <laughs> Some people think that devs put a lot of time into DLCs, and if they are robust enough and compelling enough to feel like a game of the year, they deserve it, baby. They so I, I want to tell you a quick anecdote, uh, Lena. I was uh, the the year we started DLC, which which was. Uh, which was right after weekend confirmed ended. We started DLC and I was hanging out with Jeff Gerstman and Gerstman go, I, I, he's like, what are you up to? And I was like, uh, we started a new show called DLC and he goes, Oh, that's awesome. Nobody does a show just focusing on the DLC of video games. And I went, Oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh man. That's great. Well, I think I told you this once before, maybe on Twitter where sometimes I, like after I was like commuting to work and I like played catch up, I like went back and listened to a bunch of your show because like this is so fun. You guys are great. I heard like a company be like, we're announcing our DLC. And I'm like, what? That's their podcast's name. <laughs> there you go. See, we own it. Yeah. Like, oh, like, oh. <laughs> it seemed like a snappy title mm-hmm. when I, we came up with it. But now it's like, oh, that. Okay. That probably... was a nice compliment, Lana. Let's get back to trashing Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, okay. All right. So <laughs> Outer, Outer Wilds is. I mean, the base game is amazing. I've had a lot of conversations recently about like why 
it may be difficult for some people to get into. Because thinking back, I, I remember the beginning of it feeling like a little, a little slow and a little like, I don't know what to do. And recently, I feel like I found the right metaphor for what Outer Wilds is and what like the excitement is for me. Okay. Is it, it sort of feels like an escape room where like the first time you try an escape room, it's like the hardest escape room. And like the first time you go and you're like, I didn't even see a key. Yeah. Like, let alone a lock, but I know there's locks and there's a door. I know I need to, I assume I need to get through that. It would be the end of the game, but like, well, okay. I don't really know what I'm looking for here. I yes. love this metaphor, mm-hmm. but here's my, here's my take is that it's like an escape room where every time I fail the escape room, they make me go back and get in my car in the parking lot and my car doesn't operate like a real car. It like it falls on its side and it goes wacky and weird. It, it tumbles forward when I don't want it to. So I think that is part of the joy of it. And I think the controlling of the spaceship, the fact that it's so wild and weird is like thematically resonant with the game for me. Like you are, you're like, you're this little space dude and you're going to go in this spaceship made of like wood panels and literal garbage <laughs> so the fact that it doesn't like fly really well because you can't control it is like all right get up there cadet and you're like i only all I did was fly that drone twice and they're like see in space like it's great to me uh i also think it helps to have like a friend so that you can yeah laugh when the other person is failing to fly the ship it feels great to watch somebody else fail to fly the ship um and I could I could see that, except for, like when you play like even a couple loops, you start to realize that where you're starting is actually pretty central, and you don't. It's good to start back there because you don't always need to be going to the same space. Right. Like I understand the desire to like want to save, especially like the DLC. Like there's a. Can we, can we like, back up just a, yeah. a smidge, and then whatever the spoiler might be? I'm curious, as also someone who pile all of this burden onto me as well i also bounced off this game the only difference between jeff and i is that i'm freely saying i'm never going to play it while jeff continues to say he will um and i'm just fessed up like I've not tried. gonna happen it's like when it's in vr and everybody's like it's in vr and he's like when it's tuesday it's tuesday okay, what, uh, but i'm curious how the dlc changes or fundamentally is it more of the same or is it because the first game for people it connected with really connected both mechanically and narratively it had this beautiful kind of moment and i'm curious kind of at dlc as dlc what it is um and maybe if it's spoilery we can be vague but i'm, I'm curious how they bring new to the game yeah i'll be vague um i did feel going into the dlc like like nervous like nervous like a like a long distance relationship where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go meet this person. I haven't seen them. <laughs> I like do do we still love each other? Um, and it adds, you're in the solar system in, in outer wilds and there's like a, a new element in the solar system. Um, so in the base outer wilds and there's like a museum area that you can go look at and that says coming soon, a new exhibit. And in the DLC, there's the exhi- that, that exhibit exists now in the museum and you go look at it and it points at something new that they've installed since whatever, like a new thing that points you at something that is not any of the existing planets even. And it's totally new. The mechanics that you're using, I will say, um, you don't even need to play 
Outer Wilds, I think, to wow. play the DLC. Wow. I'm surprised by that. And for what it's worth, I don't think that this will be a spoiler. You don't use the ship. Almost at all. You use it a, like a little. No, I mean like. That's exactly okay. what Christian keeps saying. Is like, no, 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 no. no. Says, well, I'll play it as long as you don't have to use the ship. Okay, you don't have to use the ship. Ah, so just, just, for the D- just for the DLC, like I think it would be difficult if you. No, I don't think it'd be difficult. I don't think anything. There are like certain plot elements that you would be like, oh, cool. That are like cool for you to know, but nothing that would stop you from playing it. So without giving anything away, let's say there's like a, an, another body space body that you fly to, but everything is in that. So you have to fly the spaceship once to get to the place, but everything is contained in that. So you don't have to fly the ship around, which is like the smallest spoiler, I guess for people who love the ship or something, but it is so good. You know, we're talking about halo. There is, I don't want to say too much, but I know you guys are care about people listening might care that you get into this thing and there's this experience of this true ring world that you can inception, like see everything in the ring world happening and look around and get clues. It's so interesting. The mechanics that they use are not even the things that you care about at all in the first one at all. The first one was like a lot of reading and, and list, like going through the plot, reading stuff on walls. This one, no reading. Like it's not, it's so different while staying in the same world, feeling so true and feeling like a, such a beautiful addition to what is already there. It's just, the team is so thoughtful and the things they do are so cool. It's just cool. Things happen. And even in my most frustrating moments, I go, that is so cool. It's so cool. All right. I'm going to try again. I am going to try again. I'm going to try again. Try just the DLC. I will buy you the DLC. You don't have to buy me the DLC. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I, I've bought the game twice. Uh, I bought the game twice on two different systems. I am going to, I, you have no idea, Lana, how much I want to have the feeling that you describe, that Danish describes. And I I want I want it. I want to feel that. So I'm I, I do think like playing with a, a pal is good. I don't I don't know if Danish played with somebody, but I do know that Danish and I are both ready to just jump on Discord and be with y'all. Like I, let's Christian Jeff, Danish, Lana, hang. And just, I mean, that would be great. Be there together. Don't you, know? you, think, you don't think that would be frustrating for you? It's like watching someone do a a a, uh, a escape room that you already solved, and you're just like, just look, look underneath the book, idiot. Look underneath the book. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do people get frustrated watching Twitch streamers? I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch. If they do get off Twitch. You're there <laughs> right. to like watch somebody have an experience and experience that with them in a way. And I feel like that would be. <laughs> Part of it is like the All moments right. that I think you'd be frustrated driving the car if somebody else is there and being like, oh, this is hilarious or funny or like whatever. I feel like it takes the frustration away and adds the silliness and you can talk about things rather than just being in your own brain like, well. We got to do it. We got to do nah. it. That'd be, that sounds way too fun not to do it. Yeah. Lana and Danish. Lana and Danish would also be in another voice chat in Discord going, look at the floor. Look at the floor. Like to each <laughs> other. Book, you want it here. Yeah. 
Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm trying to set this up so Danish and I have a great experience and you're going to probably still feel the same way. <laughs> okay. Uh, my game of the year for 2022 is watching Jeff play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But All just right. the DLC for people who bounced off it. I, I don't think you need to play the original. The mechanics are different. The things that might've frustrated you, I believe are removed. It's so good. It's Amazing. so dang good. Uh, do you remember the exact title? Outer Wilds, what is it called? Eye of the Universe, or right, let me double like check. Uh, all right, Christian, we already talked about you uh, playing uh, Halo Infinite. I know you have another cherished experience that you want to talk about this week. Yeah, talk about bearing the lead with however long we've been doing this. This should just be the analog pocket cast. Oh, my gosh. My analog pocket arrived after I paid for it 10 years ago, it feels like. I was one of those lucky few that was, you know, F5-ing when they first announced it to launch to get it. And then Jeff was right and everything gets delayed. Um, Analog pocket was one of those things that got its uh, launch delayed. But it has arrived. They've also now opened kind of unlimited pre-orders, but I think now they've said that these are like 2023 if you order one now. Um, the Analog Pocket, if you don't know, is Analog. They've done a Super Nintendo, a Super Nintendo, a Genesis, uh, and also a Turbo Duo. And now this is a Game Boy for all intents and purposes, but running on an FGPA chip. So it is the 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 chip itself. I'm going to use some terms that aren't probably exactly technically correct but the chip itself is doing the emulating so it's as if you're playing on real hardware this chip can reprogram itself to be i am a game boy i will now run the cart you put in me as an original game boy hardware would i am a game boy color i am a game boy advance i'm going to run this uh appropriately with all of the highs and lows of how that original machine ran this so it is not software emulation of you know, running up, uh, putting an emulator on your computer and, and running a ROM that way. Still a yeah. good experience and accessible for a lot of people, but fundamentally different than running it on uh, native hardware. Where yeah, you that's say, Jeff? FPGA is the name of the uh, the, the technology. And it, it it's really, really cool when you read about how it, how they pull it off. It basically, whatever the software asks of the hardware you know, you put in a cartridge that was built for specific hardware. And so it, it makes a call to specific hardware expecting a certain result. The hardware just gives it the result it expects, no matter what it asks. If it asks, hey, are you are you a Game Boy Color? The the, the hardware says, yes, I behave exactly like a Game Boy Color should. Uh, it's pretty wild that, that it, it is able to sort of be the, it's the tofu of hardware. Whatever you, whatever food you put around it is the, is the what it, how it tastes. Within, within limitations, I can't shove a Genesis into right. it and make it, you know, and, and people are yelling about Mr. And, and yes, I'm aware of that. These are dedicated machines that run this with the analog pocket you can get adapters to allow it to play game gear and, and other systems as well but out of the box it's game boy game boy color and game boy advance and i should have had it here with me it's mm. it's absolutely incredible it has four face buttons two shoulders so it actually has more inputs than what your game boy advance would have had which was two face buttons two shoulders um and it is an aspect ratio screen for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color, which means if you're playing Game Boy Advance games, you're going to see letterboxing on the top and bottom. Uh, the analog pocket is available in black and white. I picked black because I'm going to be playing mostly Game Boy Advance games, and I thought that kind of letterboxing would fall away more with a, a black console than on a white one. Um, I I love this thing. It is fantastic. I am now deep into Minish Cap, 
which Legends of Zelda Minish Cap, which came out in 2004, launched first in maybe 05 in the US. It launched first in Europe and then came here. It's a Capcom made game from that partnership. And I remember playing that game vividly. Uh, So crazy. Yeah, I don't think I ever finished it, but I love it for the purity of what it is um it's such a zelda i'm surprised it hasn't been remade like so many of the others maybe it's in licensing because of the capcom development or something like that but it is exquisite and playing it on the pocket it just feels i'm an old man yelling at the cloud again it it feels sublime (laughs) to be the the screen is 10x the resolution of the original game boy screen man just for the video people look at their audio people pull up pictures of what this screen looks like and you can run it in different modes like the analog version uh you can also do like an original gba or the gba 101 and it adds like kind of what the color would look like of that absolutely exquisite i know they're hard to find now but i am absolutely in love um with my analog pocket they just did i need to let my dog out you guys can keep talking i'm going to step away uh she's a puppy and i hear her yelling at me so i'm gonna let her out i'll be right (laughs) back keep talking without me i apologize Um, I think analog, uh, Jeff, my fiance, Jeff just ordered them on the 14th of December. I know they opened up for orders for the pocket again. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we scored a couple of those. Nice. Um, Do they they have a shipping estimate for how long it's going to take to get them? I didn't ask. I was actually upset that he remembered it existed because I was going to get it as like a, uh, just like print out the receipt, put it in the stocking like sometime in the future, this will be yours. Um, but, uh, What's it called? I think analog also has other devices. I looked into them briefly. They have something that looked like an N64, but it's like yeah, I like think the Christian, console version of it. I think Christian's purchased a couple of things from them before. Uh, if only <laughs> he were here to answer that. Christian, did you have you uh, have you purchased something from analog previously? Don't you own another of their products? I have. I have the Mega SG, which yeah. is the Genesis, and I also have the Super NT, which is their Super Nintendo. And the build quality, the packaging, it's all – it feels nice. It's like a premium, nice experience. And they run they run great. I love them. I love them. Uh, I love them so much. Yeah. Is, it, is the pocket heavier than you would expect from like a Game Boy? Is it like a dense little device? It, uh, should I run away? I should have – okay. I can run away again. No, don't leave it again. It's not, Just it's describe not, it. Teach yes, dog, yes, yes. Teach no. the dog to fetch the analog. <laughs> <laughs> it it isn't. It, I mean, the original Game Boy is big. I mean, it, it is a big, chunky device. The Pocket is USB-C rechargeable. It has the link cable for the original Game Boy, which also the Game Boy Advance used. So I love that there's this new piece of hardware that has a USB-C, also has that old link cable plug in the bottom of it. It feels in ways like a, a Game Boy. On Twitter, I posted a picture of it next to my GBA SP, like opened up, and they're roughly the same size. Um, it's thicker at the bottom, and then the triggers are in the back, and then the, the screen part is thinner. So the bottom base is probably where the battery is, and that's kind of where you'd hold for the control. And then your fingers rest up on the trigger about halfway up the device, and then the top half is the screen, which is then a little thinner. So it's not top-heavy. The weight is in that bottom part of your hands where I feel like it belongs. It is a GB style device, not a GBA. So it's not, or maybe like an SP. So it is the first thing I've held in a long time that is narrow. You know, it's not a dual shock. It's not an Xbox controller. It is your hands are together on this, on this thing with these little triggers. 
Um, Get that carpal tunnel. The D pad. (laughs) Oh, I I already have D pad thumb. You guys remember D pad thumb? (laughs) Sure. Yes. Or like like a a callus. Yeah, a little callus on the side (laughs) there from a D padding around Mm -hmm. town and and Minish Cap. It's incredible. That is, does it come in a case? I'm sorry, that's the no, last please. question. No, I had. You have to. I mean, it can fit in other cases. I bought when I bought the thing. I bought the case, which is fine. It's it's almost like a display case as much as anything else. It's a hard shell, clear plastic that kind of clicks on. So it's it's what I would use to throw it in a backpack kind of thing. Mm. And then I also bought the screen protector, which is tempered glass, but it's also like a little more expensive than you'd want just a screen protector. Uh, to be the device itself, though, is well made. It also has, has Gorilla Glass on it. And it is to that point, Lana, I was thinking like as I was lining up, like putting on the screen protector in the bathroom with the shower on so it's foggy, so no dust fall, you know, whatever it is, like doing all these tricks to get the screen on just right because I only have one and it was like 20 bucks, which is stupid. And then I have my hard case. And I have all of these accessories for my analog pocket and all this dumb stuff. And yet as a kid, when I had a Game Boy, I was definitely just like, <laughs> I like just give me like uh, you know what's the material that sunglass cleaners are made out of? Just a like a little floppy bag with that, so it's not going <laughs> to scrape against my keys in my pocket. That's <laughs> all I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think now it's two hundred bucks. I bought it was like one ninety nine way back when, and now I think because of supply chain stuff, it's like two fifteen. If you're going to buy one now, and it is a specific device for a specific use case. But dare I say, I think the GBA is a better console than maybe the Super Nintendo for me, mostly because wow. all the great Super Nintendo games were pointed, ported to it. Um, but I have such fondness for the, the GBA and the GBA. Very cool. And that's the analog pocket. Uh, I want to mention the game that has been on my playlist this week. Uh, it is a new release that hit um, Xbox Live. Uh, I want to say Xbox Live Arcade because I'm old in the wrong era xbox game pass it's been it was on xbox game pass uh it's called the gunk and it comes from developer image and form games i'll basically play anything image and form games makes uh, blind because they make the steam world games and i mentioned just a few weeks ago when they announced the new steam world game that i love all of the steam world games i've been blown away uh, each and every time a new steam world game comes out um, so image and form games has my, uh, has my attention anytime they put out something. And so the same developers, uh, with a new IP called the gunk, the gunk, uh, this <laughs> is a, a third person platformy actiony kind of game, a set on an alien planet where you play, uh, one of a pair of women who has, um, I guess crash landed here on this planet or exploring this planet and discovers quickly that it is covered with a bunch of the titular gunk. It's got gunk all over it. And um, you have to clean up that gunk. And as you clean the gunk from the planet, the planet becomes vibrant and lush and green again. Uh, These are not things that you've never seen in a video game before. This is not a new fresh uh, surprising take on anything. Uh, you un, you know, you you clear the gunk out. Plants can flourish. The plants become platforms that let you get to new things and have little vines that you can climb and stuff like that. And then you get to the new area and it's all got gunk all over it. This black kind of gooey, icky stuff that you have to vacuum up. You are armed with this glove that serves as a vacuum. It's very much um, 
Luigi's Mansion or Ghostbusters, I guess. Uh, and you just, you know, can hoover up all of the, the gunk. Uh, and then you sort of get upgrades for your glove as well. You eventually be able to shoot stuff with it and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's a game I have mixed feelings about. I was very excited to play it because of the developer. And I think the charm that this developer brings to the SteamWorld games is present. There is a lot of charm here. It's a pretty game. It supports super ultra wide. Very <laughs> pleased about that. Uh, and the game is pretty. The gunk itself has got a really cool effect to it. I mean, it looks, it's kind of uh, flowing and and amorphous and, and gross looking. Uh, and the central relationship between these two women who are dealing with uh, the, this planet and the stuff they find there, you f- end up finding some interesting stuff on the planet. It's very much an exploration game. Uh, and there's constant dialogue between the two of them. You are radioing back and forth. And I think all that stuff is actually pretty well written. And it, it's a kind of a lovely relationship that is explored. They have some conflict between the two of them through the story. It's not a long game, very short game, uh, in fact. But uh, it's kind of a lovely... Uh, and and I'm I'm conflicted about so much of the game, beca- in, in particular the narrative, because... The voiceover is, it feels, frankly, a bit amateurish, but there's kind of a charm in that too. And at first I was very put off by the voiceover. I thought it was, uh, I, th- I thought it, it, you know, I was like, oh, wow, they could have really gotten better talent. But then as I played more and more of it, I kind of, it became endearing, the casual sort of relationship that you are overhearing between these women. Uh, I think that's interesting. I mean, I have things that I listen for that I think of when I think of amateurish voiceover. But as somebody who's done a bunch of voiceover, what are you hearing in that that speaks to you as an amateurish quality? Uh, that's a great question. It, it is it is sort of an awareness that I have that they are reading, right? It's a, it's a, It doesn't feel like they're speaking to one another. It doesn't feel like there's a a life there. Some of the words are mispronounced. Some of the, some of the uh, clear, um, you know, turns of phrase are sort of not delivered the way they are obviously written. Um, Mm. And, but then there's, but, but there's kind of the kind of a lovely, a very colloquial delivery that feels kind of fresh. So like I said, I'm conflicted about it because I feel like it could have more polish but at a certain point, I'm like, well, it's kind of, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why the producers stuck with this is because they wanted something that felt a little uh, less uh, formal is the wrong word, less professional, less um, refined. Yeah. Yeah. The, maybe less glossy. And it just feels you really do kind of feel like there's these two people who are um, not video game characters. You know, it, it feels like a conversation between two people that aren't aren't you know they're not talking like a video game you know they're 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 kind of talking more like if they were on the phone to each other you know it's um <laughs> it's very it's very informal it's very colloquial it's very uh and and it's unfortunate because i think part of it's unfortunate because the game i think would be very friendly to young audiences it's it's not a difficult game there are some light puzzles and the exploration is really pretty and and 
heartwarming and like you don't kill a lot of things, you eventually start, you know, blasting away at bad guys. But a lot of the way you deal with bad guys is like sucking them up with that vacuum cleaner and then tossing them at each other, which is kind of cartoony and very approachable. But there's like, you know, curse words. It's like, well, you didn't need it. It could have been a very kid friendly game. Yeah. I mean, it's like not, you know, not F bombs, but it's, there's like S <laughs> H word, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, no reason for that. It doesn't add anything. It just, it just feels like, Oh, you know, it's not something I would want to, I would want my young kids to listen to, but also it feels like a game that you could give to young kids and they would enjoy, which is like the movie ants. You ever see ants? <laughs> There's two ants. There's one with a Z. One's a Bug's Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was Pixar. And one ants, ants is the Woody that was Allen. Like Woody adult Allen. cartoon ants, yeah. like swearing yeah. at each other. My mom was so mad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think about. Anytime I'm like, why would you in- insert cursing into this? Like, or if you were, just pull a Brandon Sanderson and theme your cursing to your world. That's right. Yes. Like all this oh. gunkin business or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Like that's lame. But yeah, they do that a lot in uh, the uh, Guardians game, where it's like you—he's cl- clearly saying the F word, but he's not saying the F word. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, to bring up Ratatouille again, I do think Ratatouille, Ratatouille would have been better if he had took a bite and was like, <laughs> "Now that's an amazing," you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Mother, yeah. Uh, uh, My kids are never going to play the gunk until they play the gunk in their room for real. You know, yeah, like yeah. you're not going to play a well, game where you're cleaning up. You bring me, you bring me to the central problem with this game because there's a lot of this game that is, I think, very charming, and I, 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 you know, I stuck with it, even though I wasn't like a hundred percent loving it. But the central problem with the gunk is that cleaning the gunk isn't fun hmm. because it, it's really just tedious. It is literally point the, it's, you know, paint the screen, point the vacuum cleaner at the gunk and it hoovers up the gunk. There are some upgrades that let you hoover faster and hoover with a wider swath, you know, a bigger field of, of impact. But they're more resistant gunk. Well, it's not that it's that it's that the challenge often is getting to the gunk. Like the 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 puzzle oh, is how do you platform the to part. the gunk in order to eliminate the gunk, clean the gunk. But I could imagine easily a way where the actual process of sucking up the gunk would be fun in and of itself. It's not not a tedious like just paint the screen until it's gone that there would be not even another mechanic but just sort of some visual auditory feedback that made it always feel fun you know there's like like in ratchet and clank it is never not fun to collect all of the bits of stuff in ratchet and clank because it's just pleasurable for the bits to come all shooting at you from all over the place and you hear the music and not music but the sound effect um so it's just not ever joyous an experience to collect the gunk. And mm. I think like, well, that's, that's kind of job one in a game called the gunk, you know? So anyway, it's, it's a better game than I'm making it out to be. I think it's kind of charming. And I think the central, the central relationship is one that you don't often find in video games. It's very, very much about this relationship and they're, they, they, you know, you get a lot of backstory and you get a lot of their dynamic, which I think is, is really kind of lovely. 
but but I wish I wish the game was just a little bit more interesting than it is, and the the moment to moment was a little bit better than it is as well. So that's the gunk. It, it, give it a try. It's on Game Pass. If you have a Game Pass subscription, there's no harm in trying it. I, I played it on PC, obviously, but it's also available on Xbox. Oh, there is one more thing I wanted to talk about. Actually, Christian, you and I both wanted to talk about that. We've been partnering with uh, Nvidia on this uh, this. Matrix Resurrections GeForce builds these these uh, these custom PCs, the RTX custom PCs that they're giving away. Wait, they? I heard that I had to take the right pill and that you took the the wrong pill. So I thought I was in and you were out. Are we both in? I think we're both in. Uh, I don't <laughs> think this is the real world anymore. But uh, no, I mean, I, <laughs> obviously, very excited for the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm I'm really Same, excited likewise. to watch it. But um, these builds, man, these builds, obviously, you know, they partnered with us. They asked us to talk about them. But I, I think I, I might be talking about them anyway because they're sick, sick yeah. builds. I think we both tweeted out about them as well. So people on our Twitter might have seen them. And just backing up a little bit, like they NVIDIA partnered with some custom PC builders to and with WB for Matrix and built Matrix Resurrection themed or Matrix just kind of broadly IP themed custom PCs that of course are not to be thrown in the trash. They're all running like 3080 TIs, <laughs> a 3090 yeah. liquid cooling, 32 gigabytes of DDR4 HyperX Fury. Right. And but they like, all look so rad. I mean, they have this kind of retro or, you know, there's a bunch of different ones. They partner with different groups. So there's, there's three builds that people can win. We should also yeah, you can that. win them. You can win them. <laughs> um, this is, there's one that I'm looking at that like looks all retro and cool because it's kind of got that 90s uh, matrix. They're all kind of green looking, but they've got this this um, this kind of uh, dials and 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 buttons that look like they're from a submarine or something. From oh the- yeah, and it has like a, a laptop attached to it. It's yeah, um, uh, really cool. It looks like so what you see in. The, like used to jack in in the matrix it's totally. like has a fake computer attached to a tower of a real computer and there's Ugh. there's one that looks like the um i don't remember what they're called in the matrix uh uh revolutions where the those giant squid like robots are attacking zion uh, there's like two hundred fifty thousand of them that are attacking there's one it looks like one of those that's like coming out the top of this other build yeah it's incredible yeah. incredible yeah yeah. So anyway, my, yeah. Go ahead. Your I think favorite? my favorite is one uh, he designs under the name Random Design, and it has three monitors, and it looks like this. You know, it has like three keyboards on the side of it, and monitors that are streaming the Matrix code, and then also it's clear cutout so you can see into the actual PC build itself. So it has like that really cool aesthetic of like green led lighting of the inside of the PC, but then also this very much it looks hacked together, like you getting ready to jack in like that is a computer that i would have on my desk not below it it's uh, (laughs) awesome yeah i mean these are show pieces for sure they're they're crazy cool uh anyway so if you follow geforce's social channels on facebook twitter and instagram uh they have prompts and instructions there uh you like comment and share the posts and then uh use the hashtag matrix resurrections when you're prompted uh and you can win one of these this is good until I believe until December 22nd. So you only have a couple of days after this 
this episode uh, goes live to get in on this this giveaway. But it, they're giving them away. So I think this is kind of a really, really cool thing. There's the NZXT Nebuchadnezzar uh, is the is the first one. The Matrix Resurrection. Oh, what's the other one called? Uh, they all have names. I think they all have names. One of them is called the Nebuchadnezzar. The Breacher. Yeah. Then, um, where's the other one? I had it right here. It is uh, the Digital Storm Backup Operator. That's my favorite. Backup Operator. Yeah, they're they all have really cool. Too, that they're giving away for uh, um, graphics cards that are limited edition Matrix designed uh, custom um, GPU backplates. So yeah. It's, it's so not thanks, a whole computer, but it's still pretty awesome. <laughs> thanks to NVIDIA and the GeForce team for, uh, for you know, partnering with us and getting helping us or having us help them get the word out. Uh, but hopefully one of the listeners of DLC can win one of these things. That would be oh, really cool. If you so do bad. win, please let us know. We'd love to find yes. out. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. Lana Bashinsky. As I said, we could not have ended the year without having you on. Again, it's been too long since you were on our show. It's always a delight talking to you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I look forward to uh, next time. (laughs) Absolutely. We we will not let it go that long between appearances. Where can folks in the meantime, keep up with you and the things that you put out into the world? The best place to keep up with me, as always, is Twitter. I am at Latienai. That's L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. Upcoming in the new year, there's definitely a bunch of stuff, specifically if you are interested in game development. Um, Well, there's the Rat Animators, which is the Riot Animation team that I run. We have a a Twitter account, and we do semi-regular live streams on twitch.tv slash Rat Animators. Coming up in March, there's also GDC, where I'm going to be um, hosting the animation summit again. I'll be speaking as a part of the Microtalks, and then I'm also hosting the animation exchange, which should be streamed live and free on Twitch. Um, and if I come back before then, you'll hear this all again. So you know what? Just follow me on Twitter if you want. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> Amazing, Christian Spicer. What about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I'm going to plug one of your other things, Lana. I'm not sure how regularly you do them, but for anyone listening um, with the Rat Team you all do portfolio reviews and the value add that you all are putting out into the world. In my just, opinion, with just ravaged access. Christian's portfolio though. Just, just you are no artists. They said you, uh, no, what is the, like, what, why did you even come with this? They told him. And it was sweet. Cause it was me walking over and giving both of you a hug and saying like, <laughs> I love you with like a W and like, just trash. And I was like, like, but in papyrus, Christian, <laughs> Did you make this or did you, did you my, make this or did my, your daughters make this? And Christian just went, um, my I daughters. Built it, I built it. I, I built it in woe blocks with my with my money. Um, in my they told me they sold labor. it for fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> I got five, <laughs> it, but I can't get it out because I need to have at least a hundred to make a withdrawal and be a member of their premium club, which is thirty dollars a month. Um. <laughs> Now you're just like the portfolio reviews you got you all do is is fantastic and I think <laughs> for people you. that are willing to I know it's maybe a little scary to put yourself out there but also watching other people's and that value add the access that you are giving to people isn't something that existed um 10 years ago and a lot of other folks still aren't doing so I would encourage people to take that plunge and 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 reach out to you all and and do that um 
Thank you. What am I doing this week? I guess working on my animation. Uh, yeah, your portfolio needs work. How about Jeff you go back it's... to the bouncing ball, honey? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lamp and it jumps on the eye. I thought I'd never seen anyone do that before. Uh, Twitter's the best way at Spicer, S P I C E R. I usually stream this show live. Um, these next couple of weeks are going to be odd times. So uh, follow on Twitter or join the Discord to see when those uh, go up. I stream this live at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And I have a free newsletter where I write long form about games that you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I've got several other shows, including do the uh, the fan controlled football show, which is not called that. Every week the, the title changed because it's controlled by the fans. This is a sports show that I do. Just this last weekend, we were up at the Combines. We don't call them the Combines. We call them the Tryouts. Uh, tryouts for the uh, Season 2.0 of the team. It was amazing. Uh, I got to watch this, this uh, incredibly high-level talent. You can see that on our Twitch page. Uh, we're going to be going to uh, Orlando and Atlanta and seeing the, the tryouts there as well. Uh, and then Season 2.0 is going to start pretty soon. So check all of that out at twitch.tv slash FCF. And I do the uh, the film cast, which is movie and TV show review program. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I do a uh, a comedy science show called We Have Concerns that you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. And I also do the Dungeon Run. We did our last episode of the year last Wednesday. Uh, it was really fun. Um, check that out at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run or on YouTube or as a podcast as well. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Lana, do you have something to help people get through their week? I do. And I'm mildly worried that I might have said this last time, but even if I did, you know what? It's worth a repeat. Um, I have been in this last year, I got into listening to audiobooks for the first time. And I started listening to them because I went on a road trip and it's good to have in the car. That's cool. And I kept listening to them, even though I didn't enjoy the readers. Um, because I have trouble sleeping and it put me to sleep. I was listening to some Brandon Sanderson stuff and the audiobook readers are like, you know, I guess I, 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 you could say tedious, you could say soothing, but you know, whatever. Well, but you Sanderson's I, books are like, and then I came around the mountain. <laughs> Sanderson's <laughs> books are like 1200 word or 1200 pages anyway. So it's like, as a reader, you got to, at a certain point, you're just like, how much more do I have to do? <laughs> yeah, but but even like his – so my parting gift, I'm not going to like trash this other book. But the most recent Stormlight Archive book, there's like a moment where it's supposed to be like two characters like being flirtatious. Yeah. Uh, and it's like read, read in slow motion by like an older woman. And I'm like, this is like not the intent of the scene. Anyway, uh, I downloaded another audiobook recently that I has made me realize why people listen to audiobooks, not to put them to sleep, but for genuine entertainment. Uh, it's Sabriel. It's a, a young adult novel, actually, or a series. There's three, but the first one's called Sabriel. Um, Garth Nix, I believe, is the author, but the audiobook 
is read by Tim Curry. Oh, awesome. And it is amazing. He, he like the way that he vocalizes the different characters is like not overdone where it's like and Sabriel said, "Well, I don't want to do that." <laughs> and then this guy said, "Well, Sabriel." It's like <laughs> there's like a subtlety in the way he changes his voice for the characters that is so particular and wonderful that at some point like when I fall asleep and I go back, I'm able to listen to just a clip and I'm like, oh, that's Touchstone's voice. But it's all Tim Curry, but it's not too much. It's not too little. And the story itself is amazing. It's it's fantastic. Um, if you like Brandon Sanderson or if you like uh, Patrick Rothfuss or, or any of those sort of books, I would describe it, I guess, like as if the quality of Patrick Rothfuss's writing um, were mixed with Harry Potter, but instead of um, being a wizard, he's a necromancer. It is <laughs> so good. It's really um, fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. That is Sabriel. S-A-B-R-I-E-L, Sabriel. Uh, I'm just going to have no shame and tell you right now, Lana, that I did an audiobook. Yes. Oh. And I used over 40 different voices in it. It's I'm very proud wow. of it. What, what audiobook? It's called Traveling in Space. It's a science fiction book about first contact with aliens, but it's told from the point of view of the aliens. So mm. it's uh, alien, you know we make first contact with them, and they and they they think we're ridiculous, and so it's kind of a skewering of of human beings uh, as told through the, the lens of aliens. I, I, I'm quite proud of it. It's called Cool. You can get it wherever you get audiobooks. Traveling in space. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm, uh, shameless, shameless I am. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? Painter's tape. Simple, easy. Everybody has duct tape. You probably have scotch tape. You might have packing tape. Uh, painter's tape is a good just put it in your junk drawer kind of thing to have. Like you're going to put something on a wall. You're just trying to look at something. How's that going to look there? What is this color going to look good? Are you going to do that there? Do I need to hold something temporarily? I'm going to align my screen protector on my device and then want it to peel off effortlessly, but hold while I need it. Painter's tape is your tape. It holds when you need it, comes off when you don't. I am a big fan. Christian, in the pocket of big painter's tape. (laughs) Uh, I'm more on the belt loop and the carpenter jean pocket of painter's tape. Wow. Uh, My parting gift is a new series that has uh, premiered on the Peacock. Peacock Network. Don't have it. Uh, you do actually. You do have it. It's not. You don't have to pay for it. It's uh, you get. It's, there's a commercial version with. The don't have it. <laughs> uh, and it is the new show from Will Forte, one of my favorite comedians. It's called MacGruber. Uh, it is ostensibly a sequel to the film MacGruber, which came out many years ago, uh, which was based on the sketch from Saturday Night Live MacGruber. Uh, it's it's funny because the the show, you know. Picks up where the film left off, and you have uh, Maya Rudolph giving a musical recap of the entire movie at the beginning of the first episode of the show, which is worth the price of admission alone uh, to tune in. Uh, But it is very much my sense of humor. I think that Will Forte is one of the funniest humans on the planet. Um, I loved Last Man on Earth, which was his previous show. This one much more adult and he wears almost no clothing throughout. Uh, he's, he's, it's remarkable how often he's naked in the show. MacGruber. I watched the first three episodes last night. 
uh, it's fantastic. It made me laugh a lot. It is, it's, MacGruber started as a parody of MacGyver, which is a show I loved as a kid, but it really is much more of a parody of like Rambo at this point. He's very much less MacGyver than he is just sort of an 80s action hero, uh, ridiculous version of that. Um, but it's, it's so funny. Very adult, very funny. MacGruber on the peacock. All right. Uh, we also got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Matt Cody. Matt says, hey, I wanted to share a YouTube channel that I've been obsessed with lately. It's called Coding Secrets from the founder of Traveler's Tales, John Burton. Traveler's Tales released a a number of high-quality, cutting-edge, licensed uh, or other games back in the 16-bit era. And today are pretty much known as the Lego Games Studio. Without getting too much into the technical weeds, he shows off how they achieved things like getting a full motion video opening sequence onto a Sega Genesis cart, or how Toy Story got its first person maze levels, or why Sonic 3D Blast cheat menu is accessible by punching the cartridge. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did you know that, Christian? I didn't know that. No. Uh, he also shows off unreleased prototypes like Mickey, Ma- Mickey Mania 2, a super interesting dive into the history of getting these old consoles to pull off effects they weren't meant to achieve. Uh, again, that is called Coding Secrets from John Burton. It seems like something would be right up your alley, Christian. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for sending that to us. If you'd like to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again to Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks hanging out with all of us live in the chat. We appreciate you making the show better, checking us, improving the show in real time. We also appreciate the efforts of our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers. And each and every one of you, next week, by the way, is a big one. It's our annual... Top five games of the year based on an incomplete sampling. Uh, it's, a, it's an episode I always look forward to. So be sure to tune in for that. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>